We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Immortal Minds. I am DDK, of course, and I'm joined by Pocket. What's up, Pocket? Hey, doing? buddy. Nice. And Angel, special guest Angel. How's it going, man? All the way from Europe? Oh, everything is great. We qualified for the first track, so everything's perfect. Yeah, for those nice. who don't know Angel, guys, we got to give a little background here, Dan. This guy is a legend from Ukraine. We saw you back in the CS days, making the move over to Valorant this year. Really excited to have you on the show, uh, not only because of your awesome career, Angel, but because of your tweets that we're going to be talking quite a bit about today. Uh, how many how many people were tweeting back after your NA versus EU trash talk last night? You think I count or what? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I know that it's a lot for sure. All right, we'll be bringing that up. Sorry to derail, Dan. Keep it going. No, it's all good. I think, actually, so for those that aren't, CS people and haven't been around for a long time, they might not be familiar with your history, Angel. So I feel like it might be a good place to start to kind of like if you were to describe your history in esports, I know it's been like 16, 17 years you've been playing uh, like competitively, but if you were to describe that to people that didn't know you, how would you do that? Ooh, first of all, hello, Overwatch players. Uh, 
second of all, like I probably like played on the different levels all this time. I started from like local Ukrainian scene, was climbing up there. It was still in like 1.6 times. Uh, then like CSGO came out. I came up with like Virtus Pro lineup, which was also pretty su successful. <laughs> successful, I, yep. Exactly. I don't like English, sorry boys. And um, uh, I think we've beat an AP first on LAN. And then it was like Astana Dragons, not the best experience in terms of like winning. And then it was six or so years of Hellraisers when we tried to like build um, rosters, like new roster every like few years with trying to bring some new upcoming talents, like young players. Um, at some point it went international. Uh, we we went like twice into legends, I think, with like some new new faces on CS:GO majors. Like nothing super uh, exciting, yeah. But I was always like on tier two level of CS CS:GO. Were you always the end game leader for your squads throughout your entire career? Uh, I think from CS:GO, yes. When the CS:GO started, I was always the end game leader there. And I saw on Liquipedia, they actually listed you as an entry fragger. How would you describe your Counter-Strike play style? Just basically entry fragger, actually. Um, I know like not a lot of uh, in-game leaders like this role, from what I've seen. But it's the way I'm comfortable with. Like, I'm a really aggressive player. I, like, I feel comfortable in terms of playing aggressive. Yeah. Um, and it's actually really comfortable to call when you're dead. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> underestimate it. That you actually see like all the four uh, monitors, right? You know what's happening. You're not, like not in action. You can analyze everything. So it's kind of a benefit also for me when I uh, play. I think I think as well, one thing that I think that when you guys first were coming up with FPX and getting some good results, we saw you being the entry with Brimstone, and that's obviously also not necessarily <laughs> a choice that many people would make with Brimstone. So, like, what what what's the deal with the aggressive Brimstone? Um, it's like the combination of me and Brimstone. Basically, it's nothing. Like, it's just the way I like to play, and um, how it's really comfortable for me to play. And the Brimstone was my agent, so I have nothing else to do just to get an entry fragger Brimstone role, kind of. You just smoke all over the place and you just run in, right? You can't help your team that much after you use your smokes already and when you, like, called everything. So it worked kind of fine, and I think, like, the same works for, like, Omen. Obviously, yes, it's bad if you die early. That's why I just try to kill instead of dying. There you go. I like that. Can you tell us about, like your career decision to move over to Valorant. What was it about this game that caught your eye, or why did you want to hang up CSGO and make a move? Like, to be honest, I was pretty bored in CSGO for the last few years. Okay. Uh, it was the same for me all the time, like building a roster from zero, from scratch, then uh, some like bigger org just buying him out or his contract ends, and it's like never-ending story, yeah. And it's takes a lot of energy actually to build the roster and um, uh, I just felt at some point maybe like one and a half year ago or so uh, that I'm just kind of tired I don't have that that amount of energy that I had like before in terms of like building your roster once and again and 
but there was no all around at this point. Uh, so I just like kept working, keep trying to do, but I wasn't doing my best. That's for sure. Like for like a year or maybe a year and a half in CSGO. Okay. Uh, I love to play different other games. Yeah. And it's not the best way to approach the CSGO, to be honest. Like playing other games, especially FPS games, makes right. it worse. Throws off uh, your aim a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest. Uh, so when uh, the Valorant came out, it was kind of um, coincidence, probably, that I, I wasn't contracted to any org at this point. So I just went to Valorant and played it as much as possible, just to understand, do I love this game? Uh, can I like spend a few more years of playing it 24-7? And I was really surprised by this factor. That it's super interesting in. It's like the tactical depth of it, it's like much higher than in CSGO. Okay. You can you can create like so many new things. Uh, you 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 don't need to copy anything. You basically at the beginning you're just creating something new, and this is what I like the most in in game leader role. I don't like to follow anything. I like to follow the meta, watch some demos copying it. Obviously, yes. Uh, you can't just play without watching anything and like not knowing what other teams are doing. Yes, but one thing is completely copying their play style, yeah? Like agent picks and stuff. And second way right. is uh, more like taking some little small details of it, which works like some um, jet dash, yeah, into smoke or something. But creating your own game is the thing I like the most. And in CSGO, it was really hard. Everything was already created. You just, it was just deciding what to use here, what better usage of like this strat this strat or this strat right it was just choosing between something was created already in valorant it's not the same and i feel like it's not it's gonna be like this forever <laughs> because like new agent every three months new map every like six months will have a lot of job to do <laughs> let's be it'll, honest it'll keep you fresh for a while can you walk us through your your road to getting on fpx because you started with Party Parrots, and when I first saw you on a roster, I was like, oh, I know that guy. That's Angel, who <laughs> used to dominate for Hellraiser. So how did you join up with Party Parrots? How long did that squad last? And then how did you go about building the team you're currently on? Talk us through that process. Like, actually, actually, um, there was a team before Party Parrots. It was just, uh, I would say, a random mix of, like, when Valorant just came out, uh, mm -hmm. I was like... Uh, Spending some time with like Crush and um, some other guys from previous Hellraiser's roster. And there were some guys who were hanging out with them in their team speak. And we just like, I just asked who have like the Valorant key at this point. Yeah. Who wants yep. to play? Because there was the problem at this point. Not a lot of people had Valorant. So we just created some mixed team, which we played together. We discussed some things. We went into like top CIS, but it was like full random lineup. Then I just realized that there's like little, not enough skill to compete with the best in you. So I just searched through the region, like to find some upcoming talents, bring them together. I'm not going to lie. We didn't bring like the best possible roster in CS, but I didn't need it. At this point, I just needed to find the young players, which I can guide to, to some top level. Yeah, I was really interesting. I needed this practice, you know, to like yeah. building something in Valorant, like building a structure, trying out some agents to understand like how they work together in a pair, in a group, on attacking side, on defensive side. 
So it was just a nice experience for me in terms of building in some new game. And it appears it worked pretty well. We <laughs> went into like top one in EU at some point, even like according to some mm, ratings. Uh, and I liked it. Like I enjoyed all the time I spent with these guys. And I like and I enjoy really enjoyed building the team in Valorant. And this was uh, like key moment for me. At this point, I decided to switch. So it sounds <clears throat> sounds like um, you know Valor. Like one thing that we had from Nitro last weekend when we talked to him was he said that um, you know you're if you stop learning, you stop having fun. And one <laughs> of the things with Valorant is you know there's always something to learn. As as you were talking about, like there's so much tactical diversity. There's always innovation to be had. Um, do you think that we're going to see a lot more CS:GO pros coming over? because of the fact that Valorant is, is, it evolves a lot faster than CS. Mm, it, it all depends on their, like, do, do they like the game, right? If you don't like the game, you're not going to be successful in it. So, and let's be honest, CSGO players had a little edge at the beginning over, like, any yeah. other um, players that coming from, like, other games. But it's gone. It's like literally gun. Valorant is like completely different game. Like not completely different. Let's be honest. Valorant is a CS:GO with skills, right? Right. Um, but this edge disappearing slowly. So you you never like we um, can just come from CS:GO to Valorant right now and suddenly become a top player. You will need to grind. You will need to spend a lot of time. You will need to adapt to a new way of um, playing the game. So I'm not sure like any CSGO player right now can just join it. I think only the guys who love the game, who love the idea playing Valorant could succeed here. So I'm not sure like it. I, I expect more of like a new talents from other games or just not even playing anything before would come up than like more CSGO players. Now that football is back in full swing, you might not beat a game this year, but you can still be on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all your great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word bet online your online sportsbook experts and 2020 has reshaped how we work businesses across the globe are trying to be more efficient than ever so when every hire is critical indeed is here to help indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other site helping you find quality candidates quickly indeed also gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring and you only pay for what you need you can pause your account anytime and there are no long-term contracts and now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, which is why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash blue wire this is their best offer available anywhere go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire offer valid through december 31st terms and conditions apply and now let's get back to the podcast 
I found you in your CS history always playing with the CIS region. In this game, did you want to break beyond that? Because it sounds like from the get-go, you were you're teaming up with a lot of Russian players, a lot of familiar teammates. When did you make the decision to look at players from Sweden, which you're currently playing alongside of? Um, like I will tell, tell the story like about building FPX, yeah? Um, first of all, at the point... Or when I played Party Pirates, I wanted to play CIS roster. I wanted to like speak on my mother language. Uh, it's much more comfortable for me. Uh, but no orgs in CIS was ready to like jump into Valorant at this point. Uh, we talked with Navi. We had some talks with Virtus Pro manager. I'm not sure like even Virtus Pro knows about it or not. But we had the talks with like manager. And the amount of budget they had for Valorant at this point is was like ridiculously low. It's like yeah. less than one player salary in you they could spend for like whole team. Oh wow! So so I just realized that uh, at this point I need to choose Israel. Like keep staying without like a org for some time until they will understand how big is Valorant. And I had a lot of talks with Navi. Like my close friend is like Navi CEO. So we talked about about Valorant with him, um, and and he just said like, yeah, we can like d- like jump into Valorant, but it's not gonna be big, yeah. And at this point, I signed with the Prodigy agency, which helped me a lot. Uh, okay. Like how how it was like at this like when we played Party Birds, I told the Prodigy agency that at this point I want to go to CIS, yeah. Um. But when I talked with basically all the orgs in the region, I came to him and said, okay, um, maybe you have some offers for me, for you. Just tell me what is this offers, what is the players. Just we'll think about it, yeah? Okay. And he came up with the uh, idea of merging. Uh, it basically was Jerome. Yeah, I say him, but <laughs> it was Jerome, the project agency, um, who came up with the idea to merge uh, party pairs with Fabrican, who was like top three, both teams was top three at this point in the region. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. I liked it. I said, yeah, sure, we can try it out. We can like play for like one week together to see how it's going. We can try some playing some tournaments. Obviously, I want to bring Shao with me because I think he's like a raw talent. He's one of the best players in EU right now. Uh, that's how it worked, basically. And we played together. We found the roles we're um, comfortable with, and now we're FPX. Okay, so how long were you guys together before you got signed by FPX? For those who don't know, FPX are the 2019 <laughs> League of Legends World Champions. It's a, a Chinese organization, which blew my mind when I saw them signing an EU team. I was <laughs> like, wait, they're, they're signing this lineup? So how long were you guys together, and how did this, this contract come about with a, a group from China? Um. Basically, FX was looking to um, to join the Europe, yeah, for a long time already. Basically, they okay. tried to sign, remember, like Heroic CSGO roster at some point. But after yes, Retag left, uh, they just canceled those, yeah. So they was looking for these opportunities, and um, our roster was obviously one of the best in terms of like going into Valorant. So we just had the talks. I think we had like. Two weeks talks about like contract stuff, about how they see, should we maybe like go to China or something? Like, we 
um, try to know like more details about it. And when right. it appears that they want to build like such a full European roster, we agreed. Awesome. So there was a chance you were going to compete in China? No. <laughs> no, never, never going to no. do it. Okay. <laughs> no, no, like it's interesting to travel there. It's interesting to spend like a few months there, maybe like, no, okay, not maybe a few, but months. Yeah, playing with like local teams, playing some tournaments, but like um, completely transferred to China, it's uh, too hard. I know it's, it's going to be too hard, especially for the young players. Makes sense. Can you talk us through the roles on FPX? So, as the in-game leader, you mentioned that you're an entry fragger. We saw you on Brim at the start mm. of the game. I saw you on Viper recently, but talk me through building this team and the roles for everybody. Mm. Did everyone have set roles from their previous teams, or did you kind of come up with new positions? Mm. Um, it's like I have my own vision on the game. Yeah, I build it in the party parts. So yeah, how I see the Valorant, how it should be played. And I tried to adapt players to it. And it looks like they was born for these roles. It's like I needed a good bridge player, I needed a good like race player, solo player, and some cipher killjoy player, right? Mm -hmm. And I had it already. It's like it it's it happened naturally. That's nice. So I, I don't think there is like some like support or carry roles in these games. You just need to do your role with your agent. Obviously, it's bad to have Cypher who's running first, right? And it's bad to have Bridge who is running Hearst because like all his ability is created to support your teammates, to flash for them, to stun for them, to ult for them, do everything. Yeah. And it seems like everyone feels super comfortable about it in our roster, and I'm happy about it. Yeah, obviously my role in team is a bit different from how the Brimstone or Roman or Viper should be played, but uh, it works, so it's fine. What do you think the hardest thing is for people coming from CS going to Valorant? Uh, I'd like to ask this question to people who were CS pros because you played CS for so long that you ha you must have certain ways of thinking, certain habits. Because, like you say, you know, Valorant and CS are quite similar, so it would make sense that there are some habits that wouldn't make sense coming from CS to Valorant, but that you would have still. Uh, in Valorant, you need to play much more aggressive to be successful. Like it's it's uh, you have so many opportunities to do some plays, some unexpected plays with your agent. So you need to master your agent really hard. In CS:GO, you shouldn't like you just you just play the game. Yeah, you just play the game there. You learn some positions. Right? Yeah, you learn some like setups. I don't know. But in Valorant, you need to first of all learn your agent. You need to play like when I was trying to calculate the amount of games, you need. From my point of view, you need to play like 150 games on Agent to master it, Whoa, at least okay. on a good level. And when I like, um, and you need to play it like matchmaking, you need to play it uh, prox, you need to play it obviously on tournaments to know what is he able to do. You need to watch other players' games. So it's basically um, Warrant is about learning your Agent more than your positions, I would say. And that is the main difference between CSGO and Valorant. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it, to me as well, like I, I said this in previous podcasts too, in CS, I saw a lot of players uh, come into the professional scene who were mechanically really good. And because the, the meta moves really slow in CS, sometimes you can have a player that's able to just be very good at one of those you know, metas, but then they fall straight away.
So I've got a bit of an echo here. Um, but <laughs> the question quickly is, um, is it a different type of player that will be successful as a Valorant player? I think Valorant is much more harder in terms of thinking. It's like, I feel like it's easier in terms of killing people. It's like, I don't know why, maybe the models are slower, maybe like uh, hitboxes are bigger, I'm not sure. But it's easier to um, shoot here, but it's much, uh, it, you need to think much deeper here. It's like you need to find the ways to play your um, agent well. You need to find the ways like how to, to always remember what other agents can do. So it's right. much more about your brains and about your like mechanic skills here. Obviously, yes, mechanic skills is like, but for example, like I think in CSGO, mechanic skills is like 70%. Yeah, 70, 80%. Here is like 50 to 60. And everything else is like your brain, your decisions, your understanding and what enemy can do and adapting. To. So with that said, actually, there's another question I had for you about Valorant, which I think is interesting. So CS has less variance because there's less abilities, you know, there's just less less things happening in CS. And you have more rounds as well. You know, you have MR15, so more rounds, less variance. So is that something that, especially with some of the best of one formats, which are pretty criminal in Europe, <laughs> um, but do you feel like uh, it's a frustrating thing for the professional level to have uh, a format that has so much variance because it's MR12. Um, you know, you still have pistol rounds and stuff like that. So, you know, a pistol round is, you know, like in CS, you know, it's it's not particularly strategically or tactically um, in-depth and it can just come down to some headshots and so on. It's hard to predict. Uh, how do you feel about the variance in the game? Um, like, to be honest, I really like the MR12 format. Uh, and let's be honest, the amount of action here is much more than in CSGO. It's like, it's so boring for me to watch CSGO matches nowadays. And not <laughs> only because I'm watching the same teams fighting each other, but because like probably 50% of time is no action. It's like, is there glow kick around? Is there guys are just saving because they lost the site? Is there... So I feel like despite Valorant have like 12, max rounds 12, it has a it have bigger amount of action and even like eco frags became like much more interesting to watch because of abilities because right. of uh, like pistols are pretty insane deagle is pretty insane in this game so i don't feel that valorant is more random than csgo in terms of it having less rounds yeah i feel like just it's more interesting to play so mr12 is a perfect choice for it yeah, I got to say, as like a extra point to that, as a broadcaster, I feel like it's a lot easier to communicate to the viewers what's actually important and where the action actually is happening in a round, because it's there's only one brimstone. So if brimstone is using his smokes for something, that tells you a lot about the round already. But in CS, you know, so many defaults and stuff like that, it's hard to really, I feel like. Add, as, add a lot of weight to something that's happening in CS, unless it's, you know, obviously some, you know, so, some things are just obvious in CS, like guy wins a 1v3. Obviously, that's a big deal. But um, in Valorant, it feels like the lead up to the fight um, is a lot easier to tell the story. So from a broadcaster perspective, it's really uh, engaging, I think. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. <laughs> I have nothing to add here. 
Yeah. Angel, I, I have a great question from the chat, and it's totally non-Valorant or CSGO related, <laughs> and I shouldn't be asking it in the middle of the podcast, but I'm doing it anyway. Johnny Cap 126 wants to know, did you see Alexei Novikov win the world's strongest man competition? He's also Ukrainian. No. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen every American <laughs> achievement either. I just, I just figured I'd ask it. All right, sorry, Johnny. There's the answer. Hard no. I'm sorry, Johnny. I was like busy uh, <laughs> preparing for first strike. <laughs> I would say. Oh, we're glad you did. Can can we talk a little bit about your recent matches? Because you've pulled out a Viper on Bind, and it broke everyone in America's brain. No one could understand why Viper would be in the mix, and you would go with a smokeless composition. Looking at your teammates, Meadow was on Killjoy, you had Shadow on Sova, Shao was on Phoenix, and Zippin was on Rays. So, with you on Viper, how does this work? How do you pull it off in your own ranked games tonight? Uh, actually, I have a video with it, like like teaching people how to play Viper on Bind, for example. Where do we find unlucky. this video? Unlucky that it's on Russian. <laughs> so you're not going to understand anything. Okay. But that's my plan. Like, I don't want everyone to know how to play Viper. Only, like, Just my friends Russian. from CIS should know it. Yes. There exactly. we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, obviously, I don't want to open, like, all the cards I have. But when we was... Uh, like, going through all the possibilities you can use in this game... Uh, we came up with the idea like Viper is good, especially after some buffs, but it's too much to change any other like key agent. Obviously, he can change uh, Raze, Breach, or anyone else, right? Mm -hmm. And Viper is good on defensive side mostly, yeah. Um, and we came up with the idea to play Viper as the main controller. And we were thinking through like which maps we can do it, uh, how it's gonna look how we need to adapt our peak into it. And basically, you saw the result of our thinking. It's like the bind is the map where you don't really need a lot of smoke. Yeah, you either smoke um, like the only entrance towards defensive spawn on B or like heaven on A. Right. And you have like bonus at the wall, which also can cut something. So it's pretty um, possible, right, to play Viper. So we tried it and we understand like it's it fits us. Yeah, it fits us really really well. We like added Phoenix into this pick because uh, Phoenix is a good in terms of like going through Viper's, Viper wall with the flash. It's not like a bridge who needs a wall to flash through. Yep. And we just practiced a lot. We was analyzing like what is the like ups and downs of this pick and use the upsides of it. Can you list off any other maps that you think Viper is viable on? Like, which maps am I justified in being upset at my teammate for insta-locking Viper? Let's just hit it from there. Is there any you map that you about... should never play Viper on? Uh -huh. um, are we talking about Viper as a main controller? Uh, because I'm not looking at him, at her, I'm sorry, uh, any other way. Like, I don't think, like, Bream and Viper or Omen and Viper in the same peak is good. Okay. It's limiting so your like possibilities. So you can only run her as main controller. Got it. Well, from my point of view, obviously. And what maps would you trust her on? I'm not gonna tell tell you this. <laughs> not okay, okay. Open all the cards, but I can say you heaven is the worst map for it. <laughs> all right. Well, I think you already helped a lot of people by telling them that she's the main controller and don't combo with another smoke. So no, that... no it's like other people choice. It's just my point of view. I'm not yeah. like telling it's. 100% true, you know, or it's the only way to look on it. 
would you be willing to explain your logic on that? Why do you feel that she can only be used as a main controller or should only be used as a main controller? Because if you, in your peak, if you have like two controllers, like Viper and Omen, for example, you're missing a lot of key, like who, who can you change in your peak? Yeah. To get the Viper instead of someone bridge, then you're losing tons of utility to help your team like raise. You're losing a lot of like damage possibility and obviously mm -hmm. a boom bot, which is perfect to check the zones. Uh, Sova, like no way. <laughs> Sova is one of the like strongest agents in the game. It gives so much info to your teammates and a lot of executes can be worked out and the drone is like a free way to choose check the position so and obviously you're not gonna replace the sentinel right like right not with the wiper uh so i feel like if you're gonna bring in like two controllers into your pick you're gonna lose in other aspects of game so i don't think it's the right choice Understood. It's all about that balance. Well, thank you for breaking down the Viper argument. I have $50 saying that Viper will not be viable and competitive, and you almost lost me that 50 with just one map. But I think we have a rule. <laughs> we have to see it by a larger percentage of the pro community. Do you think we'll see an uptick in Viper play over the next three months here, Angel? I don't know. Probably. Maybe some Vipers from us. Maybe not. Like It depends. We're preparing some new strats for like finals. Mm. Thankfully, we have like two weeks instead of one week. Yeah, we qualified the, the first one. So we have some time to prepare something new. I'm not like going to lie to you and say it's going to be something completely new. Yeah, and something like meta breaking because our goal is to win, right? And it's not the best place to risk everything and to put some strat with like no smokes, for example. Like True. liquid didn't blast. Uh, I feel like we're coming for first strike to win it. So we're going to came up with the best possible combos we can get. Love it. Dan, I'll hand it back to you, but uh, I just had him thoroughly explain Viper <laughs> and whether or not she belongs in my game. The answer is no. Pro level, maybe. <laughs> yeah, man. <clears throat> Definitely a big fan of Viper and what she can do. But I, I think also it leads into the point, too, that this game is really interesting because, I mean, we have already like a pool of, like, what, 11 or 12, 12 agents? No, 11? 13. 12. So, 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 one of those numbers. Um, and, and, and as you said, like we'll have more and more and more agents added to the game. And it's really interesting that you can have a lineup of players and that unlike like CS, I mean, CS is an interesting one. You can have different combinations of players doing different combinations of roles, but you kind of need every player to be able to do certain things very well. But it feels like in Valorant, you can have let's say a, a roster and a composition compositions for that roster that's just for that team and the, those players so that's also really interesting to me and speaking of which um i think someone that's really stood out on fpx um that i hadn't really seen before is zipan and you know how did how did you guys come across uh zipan how good is zipan because he seems extremely good and also how does like how do you think about him as a player as an in-game leader and like setting him up for success um i feel like zipan is the perfect guy on the damage dealer role if if there is like <laughs> like one um obviously his best agent is raise which gets tons of rags deals tons of damage and my role as an in-game leader is to just feel his presence on the map with a team play sense. I'm like something like this. Like he needs to war like on attacking side, he needs to do his part on a default. Yeah. Every agent like needs to do his role. Like 
raise roll, for example, like is destroying like cipher traps when she's able to do it, is to check some crucial positions with his uh, boom bot. Yeah, and I feel we're doing really great. I I'm not limiting him in anything. Yeah, I'm and to be honest, I'm really happy if any player plays as he wants to, and it's my okay. job to put put like the game he wants to play into team's game, right? So with Zipan it works pretty well. He does what he loved the best. He's just like killing people, like, and um, and he also doing his job on attacking side, which I like really appreciated. <laughs> That's awesome. Did, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Did he come from Fortnite? Did I yeah. read that right? Okay. So how did you feel about bringing someone from outside the CS world? Did you have any second guesses, or the first time you saw him in a match, you're like, okay, I can trust him to frag for me? No, I never split the players between who came from Overwatch, Fortnite, or CSGO. I don't care. If he's good on the Valorant server, I'm fine with it. Like, if nothing else. Easy enough there. Can we get to your spicy tweet? Can I jump (laughs) there, Dan? Uh, I know we got about 25 minutes left in the show. Um, If you guys haven't seen it, check out my Twitter feed. More importantly, check out Angel's Twitter feed at official angel with a one instead of an L at the end. I feel like top NA Valorant teams will win something around four rounds max versus top EU (laughs) squads. This was tweeted yesterday while the first strike qualifiers were going live. Were you watching matches and just disappointed with our play? Where did this tweet come from? Uh, Yes, first of all, first of all, uh, it's not what I really think, right? (laughs) It was just a spicy tweet, which I just wanted to game with. Uh, second of all, yeah, it was like during I was watching some match. I don't remember which teams played. Yeah, uh, but I was a bit disappointed of the way they played. Uh, it doesn't say they played bad. It just say it's completely differs from the vision. Uh, I see how the really good team should play. Okay. And um, mm, I think there's some really good teams, really promising teams in NA. And... Uh, at this point, when I was watching it, I was really disappointed um, by the fact which came into my head that we're not going to play each other for like six months at least. I have this feeling. I don't know why. And I was really disappointed. So I just decided to tweet something to uh, engage with NA's uh, scene, you know? You engaged. Uh, I think two, 2.5 thousand <laughs> people liked the tweet. Uh, almost 90 retweets. People were up in arms about it, and you followed it up with kind of a good point. You felt like NA's strategy right now is to lock in Reyna and lock in Phoenix and then just go. Uh, is, no, is actually, that what is that, most of the comp? Like, what did you see as an in-game leader watching other people play? I think they're over... Mm, like they think like duelist is too good you know they're they're and that's why they're not building good team play between each other they kind of trying to play more solo roles some highlight stuff and that's why i was disappointed by them by them missing this like team play part of the game which is obviously the most important part of valorant it creates so many possibilities of like uh engaging with each other like playing out of your teammates, and I was disappointed that, like, a lot of NA teams is looking at it as, like, some quick game, you know, just run and shoot or just run and kill. Um, So that was kind of my way of saying, like, boys, come on, you can can be much better. You can come up with, like, some more team play, okay? 
And let's be honest, like some of the NA teams are going with the way of team play. I really like uh, how 100 Zivs playing. I really like how Cloud9 playing. And I really love how Sentinels playing. Obviously, okay. they have a lot of work to do more, but I really liked it. Yeah, I'm I'm watching, like, I'm not going to lie, I'm not watching a lot of those games, but I liked watching these three teams playing. Um, they, like, bring in some new ideas into my mind, which I sometimes can use, you know? I saw you tweeting back and forth with TSM, who's probably going to be playing in that first strike qualifier, or I guess finals, <laughs> I should say, in December. We know that uh, now. So what would it look like? If your squad, if FPX matched up against TSM, what would the final score be, Angel? Mm, I think to zero, but I would say they would take eight rounds, okay? Eight, eight rounds? Two. Eight rounds across two games? That's four each game. It makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's make it each map, okay? Let's make it each map. Eight <laughs> rounds each map. Awesome. Are you looking forward to finally playing the NA teams? Like, who, who do you most want to face off against after only playing in the European region? I just want to face the best NA team. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I like, I'm sure that it's not going to happen in your future. And I'm very disappointed, as I told you. Yeah, but uh, it's going to depend. Like, when we first meet against an A-scene, I want to play the best. And I want to prove that you is better. Maybe at the point when we meet, an A going to be better. Maybe us going to be better. It's not important. I'm just a fan of close games. I'm just a fan right. of, like, really intense and important matches. I love it. Um, I think we should dive deep on Europe because a lot of our audience, uh, myself included, we have we have trouble keeping up with all of the different regions. But let's let's educate everyone who may be in the chat right now. If you could list off maybe the top five or top three teams in EU right now, who is a threat for the title at any tournament? Obviously, there is us and Jitu, who was fighting for the last like few tournaments, right in the final. Or semi-final depends where we met. Right. Uh, basically, we have like I don't know five maps lost and four is to G two or something like this. I think we lost only to G two, and that's pretty disappointing. <laughs> but I know we're like getting better and better. So I think us in G two is like tier one in Europe, and um, there's a lot of really good teams which is catching up. It's like Guild team, Samnefc team. Liquid is obviously always with us. They're fighting for this, their chance to play like the final and to get this first place. And AP is also good. And that's why I'm really disappointed. Like teams like Guild and AP has just lost their qualifiers. And let's be honest, it mostly was because of like best of one single elimination system. Right. And I know this, this... topic gets Dan fired up. Dan, dive into it. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just shit, isn't it? <laughs> it's just, I mean, the we we already talked about the fact that there is quite there's more variance in in the game. There's just less rounds to play. So the fact that you have best of one, the best of one Counter Strike is is contentious enough in terms of competitive integrity. So it's it, it is surprising because it's not as though we have a hugely restricted you know, schedule, right? Because that could be an argument as to why you'd have best of one versus and and no best of three is because you know we don't have enough days to play the games. Um, and, you know, the teams that have other tournaments that they have to, you know, we have to squeeze between these other tournaments, but there's nothing else going on, really. There's nothing more important than First Strike, so it is it is very baffling. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I can just merely say I don't think it's good for competitive integrity, and I know that it's it's going to be very disappointing for a lot of teams because when you play a format like that and you lose, 
it, it's it's one thing losing and feeling like I know we lost because we we were not not that we you know we were the worst team on the day, but it's another thing to think well we lost both pistols and that just happens and you know we made a couple wrong guesses and now we're we're out of the tournament. That's that's not a not a good feeling. So. So yeah, that's got to be rough. I mean, obviously, Angel. I mean, Mike is here as well. Uh, he's, he's. I don't know if. Do you want to say anything on this, Mike? Yeah, Mike, you want to chime in? I mean, I said <laughs> it yesterday in an interview that with this format, no one is really a winner. There's the teams that move on, but if you're like a lower seed team that beats a really good team, no one's going to validate your result because it's best of one. And if you're like a really good team that loses, no one's going to validate your loss because you lost in best of one. So I don't think you can like really win that much with this format. There's no actual like integrity of the results or something you can pull away from mm -hmm. it because people just dismiss it. Angel, I know we have some awesome Riot folks who check out our, our show on a regular basis. What would your feedback be just as an in-game leader and someone who's in the top tier of EU? Like, what would the future first strike format look like for you in an ideal world? Because we, we still want to open it up, right? It's too early in Valorant to make it invitational only for all these events. So if you wanted to do something open, how do you do it the right way? Um, actually, I didn't like both NA system and Europe system, but for different like reasons. Okay. NA system was too boring. There was like too much, too many matches, too many best of threes. So the teams could could like Play, play some games relaxed, you know? There is, like, group stage, best of three, double elimination, really. And then we got, like, best of one, single elim. Oh, never mind. So, uh, I would choose to have something like an equal, but best of one. It would be much more interesting. Like, every map matters. Or I would choose the Europe system, but with best of three, at least. Yeah. Like, okay. Because to go through best of one single elimination bracket without the losses, you need to be like twice better as than any year opponent, you know? You need to be like really twice better. If the teams are pretty much the same or one is like a little bit better, it can, can go random. You were saying before the show that you were actually kind of nervous during your qualifier. You were in the first group that locked in though. So what, what had you nervous throughout that run? We weren't able to catch all of your games on stream. Like, to be honest, every game in best of one is really nervous. It's like, I think we had like the first game of the tournament or maybe the first game in the place when we can be eliminated from the first qual. Yeah, I remember it was an important game. And we was losing like 10 to 5 on Haven to some guys. The oil team, let's give them some credits, right? <laughs> we was losing like 10 to 5 and we managed to come back. But it was like really intense game. There... Their like jet went crazy and get like thirty francs, so we had to uh, sweat a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> get a little sweaty. Yeah, but all other games was like pretty comfortable because we learned a lesson that we couldn't relax against any opponent even for like five minutes because it can go all all wrong, you know. Understood. I have a a few. Twitter questions coming in, Dan, but go ahead and hit this next topic. Guys, if you have questions in the chat, by the way, we're going to try and get these in for the final 10 minutes of the show. So hit Angel up with your best and brightest questions now. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wanted to ask a little bit about the 
like playing at the top level in Europe and at the top level in this game in general. You know, you talked about, you know, G2 is obviously a tricky opponent. In your experience, again, as an in-game leader, is is it different preparing for playing against, um, you know, the top teams? Like, for example, against G2, you've played them so many times. There is a specific meta for FPX versus G2. They expect some things from you. You expect from uh, things from them. Do you have more tools in Valorant to handle this situation? Um, or how do you feel about like preparing for these top-tier matchups against teams that you've already played a bunch? Um, it's like, to be honest, it's not about our enemy, how good he is, yeah? The preparation is more about how important is the match, yeah? So, uh, like, for example, when we played opportunists, we tried to gather as much info as we could on them, yeah? Obviously, there is no demos. Yeah, we're still watching the VODs, uh, but I'm fine with it. To be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I want Demos to come, you know, because it's going to be so easy to study us, and I know where's the team who is not playing any meta. Yeah, we're not mm. playing Jet, we're trying some new agents, we're trying some cool stuff all the time every tournament, and the fact of having Demos will benefit other teams, not us. Um, so we're just watching what's here. Yeah, we're preparing for, like, for example, uh, if it's the game against G2, but it's just the first game of the qualifier and best of three double elimination group stage, whew, uh, we're not going to prepare that much as we would if it's go, it would be like semifinal. That makes sense, yeah. The, the whole demo thing is really interesting because this game is a bit different than CS in that sense. I feel like there's. It's, it reminds me more of StarCraft when you know pros would want to hide their build orders in StarCraft yeah. because it's it's if you know my build order you can specifically dismantle it with this with you know your own preparation and that would that would actually make for some really shitty games. So you'd have to actually like hide matches and and so in StarCraft in Brood War um, they would do that by having their own in-house like. You know, B team, and then they would. You know, the the main team would play against the B team, and then that everything would be hidden. Is that something you guys have talked about? Maybe like an academy team, like teams that you can hide stuff with by just you know playing against only them. Mm, there is no point of doing it right now in Valorant. You can just proc and uh, not save your game history, so it's not going to show anything to anyone. Same goes for uh, like tournaments. We're not attending every tournament we can, right? So we have always time to prepare and came up with something new. And I'm trying to evolve everything. So basically FPX, which you saw like previous tournament, it's definitely not the one you're going to see next. Angel, I love listening to you. And I love that you think about this game differently and refuse to play the meta. Like how many people have the balls to do that? It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, how many other brains like yours are there right now in this scene? Are there other in-game leaders you look up to in Europe, any in-game leaders in North America or Korea that you've been looking at? How do you get inspired? Who else do you look at to improve your own play? Um, obviously, I'm watching like top-tier games from NA and uh, Asia, yeah? But I'm not looking anyone specifically, right? I can watch some best of one like one of the first game on cis quals because there's like some young teams playing and to be honest bringing something in from them is happening more often to me than watching some like tier one matches 
because okay. they're not afraid of trying they're not following the matter they're not trying to they're just doing some stuff you know what they like and i think that is one of the best ways to approach this game you just need to do what you like you need like your players should love the agents they play and your player should love the way your team is playing right so i'm not trying really to watch like something by purpose you know i'm just Mm, watching the Twitch, oh, some like Cloud9 game happening, nice. I would like to watch it. I have nothing to do right now. Maybe they will like bringing something interesting, yeah, some detail which I can improve my game with. Something like this. I get that. All right, I had some questions from the chat, Dan. This first one is, uh, I think we touched on it earlier. Um, this one came from Twitter. They want to know. Keith Law Fortune, who is in the chat, shout out to Keith. What is NA lacking that makes you feel that we're behind EU? You mentioned it was a little bit of the team play. Is there any other uh, more detailed descriptions you could give there of where NA could step up their game to keep up with EU? I like to like repeat what I said before. I think they need to pay more attention to team play instead of some individual play style. Yeah, that's the main reason why I think NA is right now. Is a bit behind you. Josh Pog Champ wants to know who is the strongest NA team in your opinion right now. Hmm, that's actually an interesting question. I'm not sure about it. I think it's like either Sentinels, either Hundred Thieves, but probably Sentinels. Sentinels or Hundred Thieves? That's that's high praise for Nitro and the crew. They've only shown us in one tournament so far. What do you like about Hundred Thieves that you've seen? Uh, their approach. I like the way they have like few experienced guys yeah and i'm sure and really like a big fan of um like nitro and the guys they was doing like really good job in csgo and i and i feel like they have a potential to build something new in valorant they're not going to approach as the way mo most of the players does it you know that's yeah. my hope at least yeah one thing uh quickly because i the last couple of odd reviews analysis i did was was their matches and I really like the fact that they, on, on the defense, it's really interesting. Their team has a lot of cool chemistry. The fact that they got Asuna and Dicey, who definitely like these cracked youngsters who are super awesome together. They like play with each other so well. And they have all of these set, like it's like watching Astralis sometimes in CS where you'd see Astralis on the defense. Every single round is a different setup, every single round. And that's what they're trying to do in this game. And it's actually a lot harder than it looks, I think, to accomplish that. And from what I've seen, they, they are doing that quite well. So that's something that I think bodes very well for their future. Mm -hmm. And if you watch their games, it's um, I can't imagine how difficult it is to play against that in this game because you can never take it for granted that they'll ever have the same thing. So you, you have to be on your feet at all times. It's interesting. Yeah, I can agree with you. And that's one of the things I liked in their game. I think they need just some time. They qualified for first strike finals, right? So yeah, yeah I think they, they have time to prepare their game and I'm pretty sure they're going to be like really strong at the finals. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Speaking of, are we seeing Icebox and Sky in the EU finals of first strike? Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, and so what are your thoughts? Yes on the changes to the game here does this make you nervous as an in-game leader how much time do you even have to prep for a new map no not that much to be honest like um like i'm not sure about new map how much we're gonna play it 
it depends because obviously all the teams will have a ban so if you want you can avoid it so i i'm not sure like what our approach is gonna be on it okay B but in terms of sky we spent like this week of playing sky on every map just to try and him out like every player gets their chance to play it except me and meadow yeah even Got it. Uh, yeah even zipan played it so we was trying to figure it out how we can potentially put her into our picks and how to use her. And obviously, I'm not going to give you an answer on that. <laughs> okay. We won't know who's running it, but it's not Angel, guys, until it's Angel. <laughs> Wait till it's live. Uh, I'm excited. I mean, changes are always good. I don't know if I want to see it happen mid-tournament or see it waited till after the event was over. But either way, I, I love that you guys are going to be ready for it. Um, I have a question here from Muniz, which is any interesting CIS teams we should take a look at? You mentioned up and coming squads that you like to learn from, potential new strategies or team comps. Any squads that our NA fans should become familiar with over in CIS? Mm -hmm. Interesting question. To be honest, I can't really name someone. There's like obviously some names you know, like Gambit, Forza. Um, but I'm not sure I like watching them because Gambit is trying to follow the U meta. Yeah, it's not a mistake. Yeah, there are benefit from it. But it's not the place where I can find something new from my side. So I mostly watch some games in CIS, which I can never remember. <laughs> you know, it's like one... All good. Like, uh, let me check it. Like, I'm just opening like some calls, just try to remember which games I played, like I watched. It was some like just random qual like quarterfinals, you know, from CIS games, just to see maybe they have something new, maybe br they bring something new that we can use. Um, but no one I can like call right now, you know. This one is always uh, difficult to answer, but I'd like you to try top five players in Europe right now. Mm. Yeah, it's not the easy question. That's true. But I would definitely put Shao and Zip on there. Like, definitely. Uh... Hmm. To be honest, I would put whole my team. Like, because I don't like to split, like, I don't like to judge uh, yep. the players by the frags, you know? Right. But I know for sure that, like, the bridge player plays in my team, the best cypher player plays in my team. The best trades and best solo players plays in my team also. Must be uh, nice. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to judge myself. I don't think it's right. So, so we'll have to pick someone from G2. Who slips into the top five if G2, not Angel? I would, I would take Piff. Excellent. Mike is smiling right now. <laughs> uh, I like it. We have Petrov with his own top five in the chat, guys. We have a few more minutes with Angel. If you have any questions, get them in last minute here. Angel, what do you want the fans to know? Are you making content? Where should we follow you? How do we get to know your team better as North American fans and everyone who's tuning in from around the globe? Oh, uh, I have no idea, to be honest. Uh, like, join us on the European finals, but I'm pretty sure everyone's going to watch it, right? Yeah. Like first truck finals. Uh, I have some YouTube channel, but it's obviously on Russian language. I'm not going to share anything with you, as I've told you. Um, and nothing else. I'm not the social kind of guy. I don't like the social medias. Maybe like some drunk tweet once a year. 
<laughs> I need those. So you can follow my Twitter. <laughs> yeah, follow Twitter for the drunk tweets once a year. We have a holiday coming up, so hopefully it's coming soon. Um, this one from The Wasted. Angel was one of the first players I've seen to really value alt orbs, but you seem to pretty much be the only one who still does so. Why is that? First of all, is it true? Do you still really value the alt orb? Yeah, and of and B, do you do you think it's weird that more teams aren't prioritizing these? And yes, I think it's really weird. <laughs> We're Why? like things. Like I think you need to pay attention to all the details of the game. Yeah, it makes you better. Uh, and the, like ult orbs is one of the things you need to focus on. Like the proper guy to plant the bomb, the proper guy to uh, go for eco hunt, the proper guy who take the orb during default. The proper default, so you have opportunity to take it. It's like just one of the like hundred things where I'm thinking about when I'm building our game, and uh, I I don't know why no one is valuing it. To be honest, it gives you obviously an advantage, right? Right. <laughs> You're just thinking next level already. Dan, chat wants to know where are you at right now. Is that a green screen? Is this real <laughs> forestry? Hey, man, it's an undisclosed location. Okay, it's just that's all you need to know. Undisclosed okay, location. It's, it's four degrees Fahrenheit. No, no, sorry, four degrees Celsius, thirty-five degrees uh, Fahrenheit. So, yeah, it's uh, it's cold, man. I'm near a mountain. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tell you. Excellent, Dan. We have time for one more question, and then we got to let Angel go. Angel, got to give you a big shout out for coming on the show, man. It's great to see that mustache. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Thank <laughs> you. I like you. Like it. <laughs> Mike, do you have a question? Um. Who's the team that you're most looking forward to play in the entirety of the playoffs for first strike? Like, obviously G2. Obviously G2. Nice. <laughs> I, and I really <laughs> hope it's going to be in the final. I'm sure it's going to be a great final. And who is that win? The sweetest over. Is it an individual player? Is it Carlos himself? Is it just uh, getting we- revenge in general? Why do you want to win that match so bad? I just want to become the best team in you. Nothing personal to G2, Carlos, or anyone else. I'm just coming for it. All right, Carlos, I'm going to make it personal. When he wins, I'm going to send the shit talk text message or DM. But uh, Angel's going to be a good guy. Angel, I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight, guys. This was Immortal Minds episode 27. They've been crushing it. Glad to officially be a part of it. And Angel, one of the many faces of Europe that we hope to have on the show again in the future. Dude, you're killing it. You're evolving the game. You're making us all better by doing it. We appreciate you. Uh, will you ever stream again? Is there ever a time I can watch your stream? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, probably after first strike, I'm going to spend some weeks of streaming, like talking with my audience. I don't know. There <laughs> we go. Again, it's going to be on Russian. I'm Nothing slowly learning Russian Nothing just to pay to attention you. to your stream and now your YouTube channel. Angel, thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you for inviting me. Excellent stuff. Dan, I'm going to let you go. I'm signing off as well. Any final thoughts before we close the, the cast tonight? Well, we'll be rating Sleggy, so you guys can stay on for that. Obviously, Sleggy, coach of Team Liquid, always interacts a lot with the, with the fans, and he has a lot of insights. So if you want to learn more about the game, great, uh, great person to learn it from. So stick around for that. The VOD of this will be live tomorrow on YouTube if you missed it, as well as being up on all the podcast platforms, whether that's Android or iOS. So make sure to follow us on the podcast world as well. And thank you so much for watching. Um, 
we will oh yeah make sure that you follow us on twitter especially because we might you know because the first strike main finals are coming up we might have some additional content or some content changes oh, yeah. your way so to make sure you don't miss anything follow us adam all minds on twitter uh that's all for me though cheers easy stuff cheers everybody thanks for watching we'll catch you next week Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.